0: I'll run mine too, so okay. Alright, so I'll kind of ask you in question format, so we'll like kind of quiz, but then these are also relevant questions on the exam. So, in order to start inflammation, what chemical has to be released of our body to kind of jump start the entire process? So, we also to kind of counteract this, take medications like Benadryl, like an antihistamine. So the chemical that would jumpstart the entire process then and, you know, induce vasodilation and, you know, swelling and all that, that's going to be histamine. So just keep in mind, in order for inflammation to start, your body has to release histamine. Um, let's see. Do you guys remember what disease is transmitted by saliva and it causes teenagers to become extremely fatigued? Mono, good. And then, does anyone remember the causative agent of mono, the virus? It's kind of? Uh, Eps, mm-hmm. Epstein-Barr. Good, Epstein-Barr. Epstein-Barr, Epstein-Barr. Epstein-Barr. Epstein-Barr virus. does <laughs> not there like a creepy man, Epstein? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, um, so it, in this disease, toxins inhibit acetylcholine release, and that causes us to go through paralysis. Does anyone remember that? Uh-uh. <laughs> Sorry. No, we're only on like review question two. So yeah, so if you get infected with this bacterium, this bacterium releases a toxin and then that typically causes you to go into full body paralysis. So that's the botul- botulism, the disease that we know is botulism. <coughs> And um, the bacterium, does anyone remember the bacterium that causes botulism? clostridium cl- mm-hmm. Something <laughs> Yeah, you would recognize it on the exam, Clostridium botulinum. I was telling them they might, I mean, I'm kind of going over stuff, so it might be advantageous to record it too. Um, just it's your preference. but. All right, this is from Monday. Does anyone else? Kind of a row one, does anyone remember what causes pertussis or whooping cough? Like if you were given options like Streptococcus pneumoniae or Bordetella pertussis, what do you think it would be? that causes pertussis. <laughs> Bordetella pertussis. So Bordetella pertussis causes uh, the disease that we know as pertussis, but um, kind of the slang for that disease, we, we call it whooping cough. Alright. So um, let's see. If we look at messenger RNA, messenger RNA can be divided out into these three nucleotide sequences. Does anyone remember what we call those little three codons. kind of codons? Good. And what does each individual codon account for? One what? Amino, amino acid. Amino acid. Good. good. You're good there. If our body wants to induce a fever, the hypothalamus in the brain is what regulates that. But in order for the hypothalamus to know that the temperature in the body needs to go up, certain chemicals have to be released in our body. Does anyone? Pyrogens. Pyrogens. Good. So Pyrogens get released, they go to the hypothalamus in the brain, temperature goes up, you get a fever. All right, so there's different types of RNA. There's tRNA, There's mRNA, and then there's rRNA. Which one of those three is responsible for transferring amino acids from the cytoplasm to the ribosomes? TRNA. TRNA, or transfer RNA. So just remember that that little T stands for transfer, so it's obviously transferring something from one spot to the next, which is the cytoplasm to the ribosome. If we're making DNA, like if I give you a sequence of DNA that's like A, T, G, C, whatever, you guys know that in order to get the the matching um, strand, all you have to do is do the complementary complementary base pairing, which in DNA, what is the pair? pair? It's um, A to what? A to T. Yeah, A to T and then G to C. So if you see an A, you put a G. If you see a G, you put a C. In DNA, it's A to T, G to C. However, if I would ask you to transcribe something, in transcription, what are we trying to make? RNA. RNA. So if I ask you to transcribe something, it's A to what? U. A to U, G to C. So if you see an A, you put a U. If you see a G, you put a C. So just remember, If we're trying to make DNA, it's A to T, G to C. But if we're trying to make RNA, it's A to U, G to C. All right. Viruses like rhinitis, adenoviruses, coronaviruses, the RSV virus—they collectively cause what category of disease? Common cold. Common cold. But what do we call the common cold, like scientifically? It has rhinitis, so we technically call it rhinitis. All right, so Monday, we talked about antigenetic drift and antigenetic shift. Which one of those, drift or shift, results in pandemics when a new strain of the virus is made? Shift. shift. Uh, so shifts are much more serious. It's when two, vi- two different versions of the influenza virus infect one cell, and it creates a whole new version of the virus, which results in a pandemic. Um, Drift is milder. Drift is when the viruses just get mutations that result in changes to their spikes. And that just typically leads to like our just regular every year seasonal outbreaks. So just remember, antigenetic drift in influenza goes with seasonal outbreaks. Antigenetic shift with influenza, oh, got it. Antigenetic shift goes with pandemic outbreaks. You can, it'll, it'll probably just dry in there, so. um, All right, a while back we talked about how bacteria can become resistant to antibiotics. She's done a whole lab report on it and all that business. And there's different ways that bacteria can learn to become resistant. Sometimes they can become resistant by picking up naked DNA. Other times they can become resistant by learning things from bacteriophages. And then other times they can become Um, resistant when they exchange information through that hollow appendage that we know as a um, (laughs) peli. Does anyone remember what we call it when bacteria become resistant when they exchange information through that peli? Is it transformation, transduction, or conjugation? It's conjugation. Remember, conjugation is when they exchange information through the peli. Transduction involves bacteriophages, um, and transformation involves naked DNA, but conjugation involves the pili. All right. So if you were working with bacteria, like pretend you're in the lab, and you're working with bacteria, and you put these bacteria in a test tube, and then you screw the lid on real tight so no air gets in there, and then you come look at them in 48 hours, and you notice they're all dead, they died. What do you think their oxygen requirements must have been? If you put them in there, sealed it, and they died? Yeah, they prob- Well, they probably needed oxygen, right? Because you put them in there, you sealed the lid, they died. They probably they needed oxygen, that's why they died. So since they needed oxygen, what do we, what do we classify them as? Aerobic, aerobic good. Yeah, because you put them in there and then cut off their oxygen supply, which they kind of needed. It'd be the same as us. If we got put somewhere and they cut off our oxygen supply, we're aerobic as well. All right. I know we talked about lysozyme a ton. It's in, you know, sweat, tear, saliva, and it basically kills bacteria by destroying their cell wall. It kind of breaks up the peptidoglycan in their cell wall, and they die. If you had to pick an antibiotic that functions similar to that, which one would you pick? Which antibiotic targets our cell wall or the bacterial cell walls? Penicillin. Sure. Good. So we've learned that bacteria produce toxins I mean they can produce toxins that affect red blood cells white blood cells the nervous system the gastrointestinal system all different types of places do you guys remember what we call the toxins when they affect white blood cells yeah leukocytins good leukocytins yeah when it's red blood cells, we call them hemolycins. Um, You know, the nervous system is neurotoxins. Most of them are fairly straightforward, but for the white blood cells, which we also call leukocytes, it's leukosidin. All right. So if someone gets um, the plague, and so say a patient comes in, you, you know that they have the plague, and they have this huge swollen lymph node in their neck, what do we call that? It has a really silly name. A bubo, bubo. yeah, we call those buboes. And so that would obviously be an indication that they have bubonic plague. Remember, with the plague, there's two versions. There's bubonic plague, which is in the lymph, and you get those buboes, which are those swollen lymph nodes. And then there is also septicemic plague. Now, that one's in the blood, and that's when you get those purpura, which are those big, like, blood lesions on the skin. But specifically for this question, it's Bubo's. All right, so you're looking at a patient's stool sample, which, unless you go into clinical science, you probably won't ever do, but you'll probably collect it if you're going to nursing. Um, And you notice that the stool sample is gram-negative bacterium. What color would those bacteria be if they were gram-negative? Pink. Good, they'd be pink. And you also notice that they are more in like a rod form. So what do we call bacillus? Bacillus. Good. And I was telling them too, if you want to record, that might be easier than taking notes too. Okay. okay. So if you want to know if bacteria can move, what appendage do you think you would want to see if they have? Okay. All right. So gram-positive versus gram-negative, which one has a thinner cell wall? Mm-hmm. Gram-negative. Good. Which one has an outer cell membrane? Negative. Still gram-negative. Good. And then just keep in mind, gram-positives, they have the thicker cell wall, but they do not have that outer cell membrane. Um, and then gram-positives are going to stain what color? Gram-negatives will stain. No, wait, I I was (laughs) like, yeah, (laughs) gram positives will stain purple, gram positives (laughs) positives will stain purple, gram negatives will stain pink. All right, guys, you're doing good. I'm like, I'm literally going over the exam, so question by question, so you should feel confident. Um, Someone gets TB, and it starts to affect their brain and their kidneys and their bone. I mean, it's spreading all over their body. What do we call that? Good, extra pulmonary TB. Remember, if it's in the lungs and it's dormant, that's primary. If it's in the lungs and it's active and they're sick, that's secondary. But if it spreads outside of the lungs, then we get extra pulmonary. All right, there is two spikes on the influenza virus. there is hemagglutinin and neuromidase, so the H and the N. Which one of those is responsible for attaching viruses to a host cell? H. The H one, hematoglutinin. And then the other one, neuromidase, it's responsible for kind of two jobs. Anyone remember the two jobs? Mucus breakdown. Um, Mucus breakdown. It does one more thing in the kind of virus replication cycle. It helps with a certain stage. Budding. Good, the release or the budding stage. Good. All right, so we know with HIV and AIDS, it's the progression, right? So you start out with HIV, and then as the condition worsens, you eventually develop AIDS. Um, what type of cells would have to significantly drop in our body for us to progress into an AIDS state? CD4T cells. Good, those CD4T helper, helper cells. cells. And then obviously if those CD4T helper cells are getting destroyed, what's happening to your immune system? It's, yeah, it's dropping, it's going down. If your immune system is tanking, what's going to happen to you? What are you what's going to, you know, what are you going to get infected with? Okay. All different types of stuff. Does anyone remember what we call those diseases? Yeah, it's a, it's a category, it's called AIDS-defining diseases, you would recognize it on the exam, but AIDS-defining um, AIDS illnesses, they're really diseases that people get when they have virtually no immune system because of the AIDS virus. Okay. All right, someone comes into the hospital and you notice that they are, having hallucinations, they have developed kind of on early onset of dementia, they are having violent muscle spasms, um, and then they die, RIP, and we notice that when we do a brain opsy, that their brain is spongiform, like it, there's literally holes in it where it looks like a sponge. What disease do you think they had? Okay, that's what causes it, but what disease is it called? Yeah, the CJD, the of jacob disease, because that's what causes cow the- disease. Yeah, mad cow disease. Yeah, the human form is called CJD, yeah. All right, when someone's infected with TB, our body ter- uh, produces tubercles to contain the infection, and then another type of cell comes in and breaks down the center of the tubercles. What's that cell? That breaks down the center of the tubercles. It also leads to the formation of pus when it works. The oh, neutrophils. Good, neutrophils. neutrophils. So just remember, in a TB infection, our body contains the infection in turbicles, but to break down the center of those turbicles, neutrophils are the ones that release the chemical to do that. All right. Why do staph survive so well on the skin? Because of the salt. Good, because of the salt. Um does anyone remember what the incubation period is for a disease like what do we define that as so when does it start a month or week or- yeah it can vary as far as time but remember it starts from the time you're infected so from the time that virus or bacteria enters your body until when the first or sign, sign or so, the yeah the, until the sign. so that Kind of phase before you actually are sick. That's the incubation period. It's the time between, you know, when you first get infected until those first signs and symptoms begin. Once the first signs and symptoms begin, we enter something called the prodromal phase, where you experience non-specific or mild signs or symptoms. So maybe just like a low grade fever or fatigue. And then obviously eventually you get into like the full blown invasive phase where you experience everything. But Remember, initially you experience the incubation phase with no signs or symptoms, and then you advance into the prodrome where you get to the mild signs or symptoms. All right, someone a little boy is infected with um what is he infected with? <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> know, there's like so some of the questions I put on here actually from the NCLEX for those of you that'll eventually take that for nursing. So there's like little uh, cases that you have to read, but I tried to italicize keywords. Uh, so this little boy is infected with Yersinia pestis. What disease does he have? Yersinia pestis. Nope, that one's Borrelia burgdorferi. So Yersinia pestis. Uh, it's also transmitted by fleas. That helps. Yes, flag. flag. Yeah, and it says flea in the question. I just didn't <coughs> that. Um, What do we call it when we convert messenger RNA into protein? So mRNA to protein. MRNA. Just like the overall process. So your choices are replication, transcription, translation from mRNA to protein. Translation, good. So remember, DNA to DNA is replication. DNA to RNA is transcription. D, uh, RNA to protein is translation. In replication, remember, like all, when we make more DNA, there is like six enzymes that you learned about. Which one of those enzymes is responsible for separating the double-stranded DNA molecule into two single strands? Helicase, Helicase. good. Helicase, Something. and then. Which one of those enzymes is responsible for fusing the Okazaki fragments together on that lagging strand that's like in segments? Yeah, ligase, that one's ligase. So helicase kind of (coughs) breaks everything into two single strands. And then because we have the lagging strand that's made in those short segments, they need to be all fused together. That's where ligase comes in. When someone gets infected with TB, with mycobacterium tuberculosis, it gets into their lungs and there's a special cell that becomes infected with that bacteria. What's the main cell that becomes infected with mycobacterium tuberculosis? They're a type of phagocytic cell in our lungs. Yeah, technically, yeah. But there's no, it's alveolar macrophages. We just kinda call them macrophages. Um, but I mean, their technical name is alveolar macrophages. but. We just learned it as just regular old macrophages. So when you get TB, the first type of cell infected with TB in your lungs are the macrophages. But remember, the macrophages can't kill them because they're kind of protected by their waxy cell wall. All right, um, so a patient comes into the hospital and you think they are, you know, they're coughing, and they've lost a significant amount of weight in a short peri- period of time. So you start to think, okay, they may have tuberculosis. And you're, you want to order a stain done on their, on their mucus to see if it's positive or negative. What staining technique would you want to use if you think someone has tuberculosis? Acid fast. Good, acid fast. And if they had it, what color would it stain to be positive? pink good and if it was blue that would be negative which is good that probably means they just have pneumonia caused by something else what do we call microorganisms that live in or on our body but don't cause us any harm no. nope just the normal biota so the ones that live in or on our body overthinking it just regular old normal biota they don't cause us any harm Alright, someone has rabies. What part of them is going to be most contagious to you? Saliva, saliva, uh, Saliva. yeah. Their brain is where the virus is kind of attacking and everything, but the saliva is what makes it contagious. Alright, if we look at a species named like Staphylococcus aureus, um, which word is the genus? the first word so staphylococcus and then um, (coughs) Arius would be the epithet but when we put them all together that full thing is the species Um, when you're typing it up what do you always want to do italicize 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 it good and then remember only the first letter of the genus should be uppercase good all right this is like way back to chapter one so which individual was responsible for aseptic techniques go joseph lister so i kind of remember lister listerine it's an aseptic mouthwash so just link him to aseptic techniques all right louis pastor he developed those swan neck flasks and he was trying to disprove something a theory does anyone remember what that theory was <laughs> It's another name for it, yeah. Spontaneous, spontaneous, generation. spontaneous generation. Spontaneous generation. Keep in mind these are multiple so choice are... questions, so when you see them on the exam, things should click a little better. So abiogenesis and spontaneous generation are one and the same. What okay. was his name again? Which uh, it? Louis Pasteur. All right. So if a mother has HIV, is it is it safe for her to have a child? Yeah, <laughs> it is assuming that she's taking antiviral drugs. It is very likely that the baby will be born completely normal, but the catch is there must be taking the antiviral that that drugs. To be, it has to be started before conception. Oh right? uh, yeah, not necessarily before. And I mean, they'll give it, but it would need to be done several months before delivery. I should say. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, because yeah, the, only, the, the only way the baby is going to get it is not an exception, it would be during the birthing process okay. when bloods and things are mixed. So it would have to be started before that. Uh, I think we already covered this and another question, but what's the main cell that becomes infected with the HIV virus? Nope, Nope, that's TB, HIV. Um, on the CD4 helper. Yeah, the CD4 helper T cells. <coughs> They're the main cell that becomes infected with the HIV virus. All right. patient comes in to see you and they're honest and they say they have a history of intravenous drug use and then you listen to their heart and you notice that they have an abnormal heartbeat what condition are you thinking Subcutaneous. it is endocartitis but which one Subcutaneous. not not that one <laughs> the sure. acute, acute acute endocartitis so remember, acute endocartitis, that one can happen to anyone technically that gets bacteria injected into their blood. It's just the most common population now is intravenous drug users. Sub acute endocartitis, who does that happen to? To pre existing heart conditions. Yeah, people with pre existing heart conditions, which, you know, predominantly elderly people, not always though, but predominantly elderly people have a pre-existing heart conditions. So typically it's really important for them to get put on antibiotics when they get what type of procedures done dental, dental procedures. procedures. Good. All right. Anyone remember the cause of evasion of malaria? Mm-hmm. A mosquito <laughs> by- hmm? It is a mosquito. I well, that's what causes it. Um, but the genus of bact- or the genus of parasite that causes it is called Plasmodium. So if mosquitoes are infected with the plasmodium parasite, that's how you get malaria. All right. Someone has is infected with Bordetella pertussis, which causes pertussis or whooping cough, and they start to develop a violent cough. Remember there's two stages of a whooping cough infection, and we learned this I think on Monday. Which stage is when you get violent coughing? Is it catarrhal or peroximal, those are the two stages. So remember, catarrhal is when what happens? What happens during catarrhal? It's a non-specific symptoms? It is kind of. It's just a runny nose, so oh, the, which okay. can happen with a lot of things. So just like a runny nose, uh, that happens in catarrhal, and then it advances to proximal, which is where you get the violent coughing. So catarrhal, runny nose, proximal violent coughing. That's what you experience when you have pertussis or the whooping cough. Now, is this like an abnormally runny nose? it is an extremely runny nose okay. like imagine like a toddler like which is not like so, my nieces and nephews it's like permanently coming down okay. their nose and it usually is colored like it'll have like a greenish because of the infection okay. it won't be like nice healthy clear snot mm-hmm. all right um when someone has tuberculosis our body forms these types of granulomas to contain the infection what do we call them Turbicle, yeah, we call them a turbicle, so they tuberculosis, turbicle. I think you guys would remember them. All right, so um, we have a patient. Uh, we know they're infected, they have a fever, and I guess the big significant thing that I've italicized is their blood pressure is dropping. It's down to 70 over 25. What condition do you think they have if their blood pressure is dropping? Yeah, they're they're septic. They're going through septicemia, which is septic shock. Um, then the main thing with septicemia or septic shock is that you have bacteria in your blood, which is causing your blood pressure to drop. Um, so the drop in the blood pressure would be like a significant thing. All right. So we do we know we do a Gram stain. Bacteria are purple. We know that's gram positive. Um, if they were in Grape-like clusters, what do you think that would be as far as shape and arrangement? Grape-like clusters, so like circles and clusters. Good, okay. Staphylococcus. If they were in chains, though, it would be streptococcus, okay. All right, phagocytic cells engulf and kill bacteria. That's like one of their main jobs. But they have to know what to bind to and what not to bind to, so there's certain receptors. What receptors do bacteria have that phagocytes can bind to? PM. PAMPs. P A M P S. PAMPs. Good. So bacteria always have the PAMPs. Then what do the phagocytic cells have? PRRs. PRR. So good. Phagocytic cells have PRRs and then bacteria have PAMPs. They bind to each other. Phagocytosis happens. You need to know what the acronym means. No, it's just I have it. Written out and then in parentheses, I yeah. have All right. What type of normal biota do we have in our nervous system? In our brain, no. spinal cord. Good. None. No, no. Nothing there. So good. Um, do you have any in your cardiovascular system? No. Nope. That's respiratory. Uh, yeah. Respiratory. You have it in the upper, but not the lower. Um, and then what about like the skin? Yes. Yes. What about gastrointestinal system? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're good. Um, We know that transcription is going from DNA to RNA, right? So we find that. Why would a bacterial cell produce an endospore? What's the perk of producing an endospore for bacteria? To survive in harsh conditions. Good, to survive in harsh conditions. What do we call it if someone has a virus in their blood? Good. Uh, If they have fungi in the blood. Good. what it, what about if they have you know bacteria in the blood and it's growing Septic- Septic- septicemia good um with there's two different types of cells right this is like a general biology <clears throat> concept what are the two different types of cells yeah prokaryotic cells which are bacteria and then eukaryotic cells which are basically every other cell type, humans, animals, plants, fungi, all eukaryotic, okay. Clostridium tetany, really dangerous bacteria, right? causes violent muscle spasms, commonly found in the soil, you puncture wound, you could get it. What type of an environment, though, does it have to be in to produce those dangerous toxins that cause muscle spasms? Anaerobic. anaerobic. So it has to be in an anaerobic environment which is an environment with no oxygen. That's why when it gets shoved up in a puncture wound where there's no free oxygen molecules, it can start to produce toxins and cause us to have violent muscle spasms. Okay, patient comes to the hospital, they're saying that you know they're having seizures and they've been having hallucinations, and they also have this incredible fear of water, which we call hydrophobia. What disease do they have? Rabies. Rabies, good. In malaria, it wreaks havoc on our body, but specifically it targets two types of cells. Anyone remember them? Remember, we watched uh, the video of. It goes of into the liver first. Liver's well, one, that's the first one. And then it- Good. Liver blood. Liver and red blood cells. Those are two types of cells that are targeted with um, the malaria parasite. And then we already know that. Subacute acute endocartitis affects uh, people with pre-existing heart conditions. We already covered that. What do we call viruses that infect and kill bacteria? This is like chapter one and chapter five. Bacteriophages. is good. So this disease is relatively mild, but if a pregnant woman gets it and passes it to the fetus, the, fet- the baby can be born deaf.
1: Rubella, yeah, Yeah.
0: good, rubella. Which disease has been eradicated from planet Earth, you can't get it anymore? Smallpox. Good, smallpox. What type of antibiotics cause um, infections like yeast infections and C. diff infections when they deplete the normal biota? the broad-spectrum antibiotics. Because remember, it kills off all your good bacteria, so then bad ones can grow in their absence. So someone has tuberculosis, and they are coughing up blood, and they've lost a lot of weight. Are they in primary, secondary, or extrapulmonary? Secondary, Secondary, good. Um, When someone has pneumonia, what in their body starts to fill with fluid? alveoli of the lungs good um what's there's a lot of causative agents for pneumonia but what's the primary most common one it is (laughs) (laughs) streptococcus pneumonia you'll recognize it streptococcus pneumonia all right someone comes into the hospital and they have a bullseye rash what disease do they have Um, lyme's disease disease. and ideally you treat it right then and there what if they say i don't want to treat it and they wait what do you think they're going to come back in a couple weeks complaining about all right, good. Do you know what the mortality rate for Fungary ATP is? It's like 50%. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. Um, fungal infections. This way back when, like chapter three. Someone's experiencing um, athlete's foot. What type of fungal infection do you think that would be? If your choices were like systemic, um, opportunistic, subcutaneous, or superficial. Oh, subcutaneous. Or superficial. Oh, what? oh athletes. But yeah, right. Athletes, fo- yeah, like at- superficial is things that affect hair, skin, nails. So, that would be subcutaneous would be like the mucous membranes, so like um, a yeast infection or like thrush or something like that. Would, um, uh, would ringworm be? Uh, that one? Well, no nah, that one's actually deeper in the tissue, Sorry. so that one actually would be um, subcutaneous. Basically, um, anything that affects like keratinized like tissue, like the top layer of the skin, hair, or nails, that's going to be superficial. Uh, curiosity. Yeah. Why does ringworm form a circle? You know, I actually don't know. I I feel like I looked it up years ago because I was curious about, it, and I don't remember. Because it's a fungal infection, and a lot of people think it's like a little parasitic worm that's under there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have to look it up. I don't I don't remember anymore. But it is always like a nice, perfect little circle. Um, So if I say something destroys the RNA polymerase enzyme, what process do you think is going to be affected? Replication, transcription, or translation? Replication. Nope. RNA polymerase. So RNA polymerase makes RNA, so transcription, yeah. All right, so what <coughs> enzymes responsible for breaking down hydrogen peroxide into water and oxygen? Catalase. Um, catalase, yeah, catalase. And what type of bacteria would have this enzyme as far as like oxygen requirements? Aerobic. Aerobic, good. All right, patient comes into the hospital and they're whining, I shouldn't say whining, they're <laughs> complaining about a headache and stiff neck. What disease do you think they have? Oh, polio. Meningitis. 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 Um, so, if someone has polio, what are some important things that you can do to tr- treat polio? Just to get vaccinated before I mean, that is one, but let's assume you already have it. Like, too late for that. You already have it. Symptom management, that that is beneficial, yeah, Um, but keep in mind with polio, and I talked about this during chapter 17 or something, with polio, when that paralysis sets in, it's really important to do physical therapy, um, because then we can kind of get the motor neurons that are left behind to form new connections and bring that movement back, so like, one of the key ones is physical therapy. I mean, yes, pain management is helpful too, because the patients are going to be in a lot of pain. And obviously, they may need to be on a ventilator if they're not able to breathe on their own. But with polio patients that have that paralysis, it's so important that you do physical therapy with them. All right. How does one get polio? Fecal, uh, fecal oral. But yes, that is another way to put it. Technically, fecal oral. <laughs> um, so rheumatic fever. How does one get rheumatic fever? What? pre what infection do you have to have before it? Threat, strep throat, strep, strep throat. So remember, when you have strep throat and you don't take antibiotics and let you, you let your own immune system fight it off, your body produces antibodies to kill the strep bacteria, which is good. But Remember, those antibodies uh, can also attack what part of your body? The heart, and then that is when you get this condition that we know as rheumatic fever. Um, I don't, this is, what are the three cell types that help form tubercles in tuberculosis? That's one. Not neutrophils though. Neutrophils break down the center, but they don't actually form it. So macrophages is one though, lymphocytes another. There's one more, starts with an F. Fibroblast. Fibroblast. So the three cell types that make up a tubercle are macrophages, lymphocytes, and fibroblasts. Now the neutrophils break down the center of the tubercle after, but they're not actually forming the tubercle. All right. So malaria, we know it targets liver, red blood cells, but we've also learned that there's two different life cycles of the malaria parasite. So, which form is the part that targets the liver? Sporozoites. So, sporozoites target the liver. Then, the new form gets released from the liver cell that we call what? Merozoites, and they target the red blood cells. So, it's like a transition sporozoites target liver, release merozoites, they target the red blood cell. Okay, um, when, you know, with tuberculosis, it is treatable. A lot of people don't think it's treatable, but it is treatable. But remember, treatment's really, really extensive. You have to be on antibiotics for a really long time, and a lot of people don't take the antibiotics like they're supposed to. And what happens when you don't take antibiotics like you're supposed to? What happens to the bacteria? It gets resistant. They become resistant <laughs> to the antibiotic. And in TB, we have now a resistant form of TB that's resistant to multiple different antibiotics. What's that resistant form called? Yeah, MDR-TB, which is multi-drug resistant tuberculosis. And we have that because people don't take the antibiotics like they're supposed to when they have TB because the treatment is so extensive. Remember I said it, you know, can be anywhere from a year to years and often patients quit taking them once they feel better, and then that creates the problems. All right. Bacterial appendages. What do we call the appendages that there are these short little bristles that help them attach to surfaces? <coughs> it is fimbrae. Good. So fimbrae are Like the little hairs on a caterpillar, and that's what allows them to attach to surfaces in our body. Like it clings them to our (laughs) gastrointestinal system or it clings them to our, you know, respiratory in the lungs. Why can TB bacteria survive so well in the macrophages? What do they have that protects them from phagocytosis? They have something in their cell wall. It's what we look for when we do an acid-fast stain. Not endospores. We say they have a waxy cell wall. So they have a waxy cell wall, and that's why they're protected from phagocytic cells. So that waxy cell wall, it protects them from those digestive enzymes that could potentially destroy them. So they just live and live and live inside so the so macron. So they get absorbed. Those. Then they just, so they just hang out there out and continue out. to grow and divide. Um, does your brain have as strong of an immune response as the rest of your body? No. no. Your brain is what we call immunologically privileged, which basically means it has a different, kind of milder immune response. It has an immune response. I don't want you to think your brain doesn't have any type of immune response. It does. It's just different, meaning that it's often milder because we don't want our brain tissue to become inflamed because that can create a lot of problems that are worse than an infection. Is that just the brain or is it the whole central nervous system? It's the whole brain and spinal cord, the whole um, central nervous system. All right, in our brain, we have this protective feature that stops things from getting through the blood and into the brain tissue. What's that called? Good, the blood-brain barrier stops things from getting through the blood into the brain. All right, so prions. What are prions? Misfolded. Yeah, they're proteins. misfolded proteins, good. Um, if you get infected with them in the brain, what happens to your brain? Uh, you get CJD. Yeah, you do get CJD, which basically your brain kind of starts to resemble a sponge because you're going to get brain degeneration. There's going to be holes in your brain. Awesome so So yeah yeah spongiform encephalopathy mouthful that's not on the Um, (laughs) exam can you kill misfolded prions if you put them in the autoclave at 121 degrees celsius for 15 minutes No. No. no no you can kill bacteria you can kill viruses you can even kill endospores but you will not kill prions. And that's how it originally got spread through surgeries because when they would sterilize the equipment at 121 degrees Celsius for 15 minutes, they thought that should do it, that'll get rid of the prions, but it didn't. And people actually got CJD from contaminated surgical instruments. But yeah, it cannot be killed at that temperature for that amount of time. We're on question 83, if you're curious out of 100. who gets mono? Like what age group? <coughs> teenagers. Good, teenagers, adolescents. I have both, so you'll be fine with that. Um, what disease can be transmitted by transmitted by mosquitoes and cause microcephaly, which is babies born with small heads? Zika. Zika. Good. Okay. All right, someone comes into the hospital and they are complaining of a sore throat and you look at their throat and you see these white packets. What disease? Strep throat. What's the causative agent though? You'll recognize it on the exam, but it is streptococcus pyogenes, so strep throat, streptococcus pyogenes. What three things dictate how long you have when you get infected with the rabies virus until you start to show signs and symptoms there's three things that control how long you have Dosage. well inoculation dose good yeah inoc- basically how much virus gets into your body that's one the area where you're bit. wound location good with remember the closer it is to the brain the less time you have and there's one more no, one size. The size the like severity size of the wound because so, so, like yeah severity <coughs> of the wound probably like an all of the above type of situation on that one <laughs> um bacillus anthracis what disease does it cause Andress. good and what in the environment could potentially have bacillus anthracis endospores so- yeah it's pretty much anything that can be easily contaminated with soil it's predominantly found in soil but because soil is everywhere so it could get to the air it could get to an animal hide it could get in water or on food but yeah basically anything contaminated with soil um, what disease is transmitted by ticks? Lyme's, Lyme's disease, which is Borrelia burgdorferi. Um, what is transmitted by fleas? I think we already covered this one. Yeah. Plague. Plague. Okay. Hey, so, uh, it's, it's got now like questions back. Um, so, polio is transmitted through like fecal contamination of water and stuff. Uh huh. Is that fecal contamination from humans or? Specific it's t- it's humans. It's typically human fecal. Because a lot of people. it is That's why we don't have much of it in this country. But in undeveloped countries, people using the bathroom and bathing, bathing, and um, water supplies. It is typically human contaminated fecal. Um, is the contamination something from our own biota, or is it something? Um, so no, so the patient would have to have polio and be shedding in their feces for it to be in the water. So it's not going to be part of their normal biota or anything. Now, their normal biota can have E. coli in it. And that would cause another host of problems. But it would have to be from like a patient that's actively experiencing like polio. Well, where did, where is, uh I can't think of the name of. Where does the first person get it done? Oh, so like, where was the first case of polio yes, ever? How did they get I, well, I'm assu- you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming, I know it originated, I mean, cause um, like primates can get it too. Um, they don't get the paralytic form or anything, but maybe they could have gotten it that way. But I don't know, like where the first case of okay. polio, I mean, it's like how they think COVID was linked back to bats and things. So, I mean, it was, pro- it was probably some type of animal reservoir that eventually mutated to become contagious okay. to humans. But I don't know like the exact animal, I'm assuming some type of primate or something like that. Okay. Um, what bacteria causes Lyme's disease is a mouthful. I don't blame you if you don't know it. It's okay. What it's right to it does. Well, part of it? Yeah, Borella burgdorferi BB, Borella burgdorferi. Um, if someone has septicemic plague, um, and it's septicemic plague is in their blood and they're going to be having like blood hemorrhaging under their skin. They're going to get these lesions. What do we call those lesions? That's petechiae, that's in meningitis. But it's similar to that, purpura, purpura. Yeah. So septicemic plague, you get blood lesions called purpura, purpura. All right. So if you wanted to protect yourself from pertussis, which is whooping cough, what vaccine would you have to get? DTaP. DTaP. Good. Which is Perfect. it's diphtheria, tetanus or pertussis. Yeah, I just have I have DTaP as the option um and then what does MMR protect you against MMR. Okay, yeah. just checking. what do we call phagocytic cells that are only found in the brain so they're exclusive to the brain yeah microglial cells um, what type of phagocytic cell forms pus when it dies Um, what do we call infections that can be spread from human or animal to human, like rabies? You often go to these places to view animals. Zoology. Zoonotic. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, so laughs> zoonotic. It's <laughs> no. So yeah, just remember, zoo animals. If we spread disease from human and humans to animals, it's <laughs> a zoonotic disease. All right. What three things make up a nucleotide, like a, a DNA nucleotide? Adenine. Good. A nitrogenous base, like A, T, G, or C. Yeah. Five uh, carbon, carbon. One like, sugar base. The sh- yeah, five carbon sugar. Did say DNA or anything? DNA. One phosphate. Phosphate. Yeah. So it's a phosphate group, a five carbon sugar. But what do we call it if it's DNA? Deoxyribose, and then an RNA, it's just ribose, good. And then a nitrogenous base. What are the four nitrogenous bases you can have for DNA? Adenine, guanine, thymine, Good. A T G C, yeah. And then what are the four you can have for RNA? Adenine, uracil, cytosine, Good. Uh, you guys are good. Okay. Um. Um, two types of cells, prokaryotic, eukaryotic, bacteria versus, like, all other, hum- all other cells. Which, types of- which type of cell does not have any membrane-bound organelles? Pro- pro- prokaryotic or bacteria. And then eukaryotic cells, they have all those membrane-bound organelles, which are things like mitochondria, endoplasmic reticulum, nucleus, all that kind. Of all right, if someone has measles, what is the primary sign or symptom that you think they would have? Like what would you be looking for if you think a patient has measles? Red raised rash. Good. Red raised rash. Is that You don't No, 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 no. Oh. I don't have it. But oh, okay. I just had to go to the hospital. Oh, uh, really? They gave it a bump and... Uh, oh, is that for TB or was it for No, actually no, they took blood on the- Okay. Yeah, no more. Um, well, hopefully, you're still immune. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A red raised rash, would that be a sign or a symptom? Sign. Right. Right. Good. So, remember, signs are things that we can physically see, symptoms are things that are felt by the patient. What's an example of a symptom? Cough. Naja. No, That's a sign. You can see someone coughing. Nausea. Good. Or, like fatigue, muscle aches, that type of stuff. All right. Um, if you get infected with Clostridium tetany, so think about what disease Clostridium tetany causes, what do you think is going to happen to you? Well, I mean, the Okay, but what causes lockjaw? Like what's happening in our body? Spas- Overall, muscle, muscle spasms. Oh. Okay. Muscle spasms. In Clostridium tetany, we know it, it causes tetanus, it creates muscle spasms. It has to produce something to cause the muscle spasms. What is it producing to cause muscle spasms? It's a type of toxin that affects your nervous system. So yeah. neurotoxin. It's producing a neurotoxin <coughs> that affects our nervous system. Um so if you would get infected with the HIV virus and you Start on antivirals like you're supposed to. How long do you have to take them before you're cured? Forever. You're not cured. It's going to be forever. All right. That's it. I mean, I asked you every single question that's on the exam. Just get A's. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, you still have to take it because I'll get fired if you don't. But hopefully, you feel.